Welcome to episode three of All Ears, A Child's Voice, a podcast discussing all things hearing loss. We aim to connect parents of children with hearing loss with the professionals who serve them. We're your hosts. I'm Tatum Fritz. And I'm Jessica Brock. And this is the second episode in a two-part series on the cochlear implant process. Last week, we spoke with two audiologists and got the professional perspective on the process. And this week, we have parent Colleen Powell on the show with us. Welcome, Colleen. Hi. Colleen is the mother of a child who uses bilateral cochlear implants. She also works as a member of the Hear Peers support team at Medel, a cochlear implant company. Later on in our conversation, we'll talk about your experience as a parent of a child with hearing loss, but would you like to share a little bit now about your role at Medel? Sure. So I'm part of the Hear Peers team, and it's comprised of adult Medel cochlear implant users and parents of kids. And we basically are kind of available to help other people on their journey. So if you are in a you know a place where you are wanting to learn more about cochlear implants or wanting to learn more about Medel specifically, I you know I talk with parents all the time. Um, and then after you've been implanted, I'm also available to help with kind of you get when you you know you'll find this out if you get a cochlear implant, but you're given a ton of equipment and not all of it is necessary right away. And so I can help kind of go through things or just changing batteries, all sorts of things that kind of come up. I'm sort of available to help parents and other adult users. That's awesome. Do you ever help professionals with any of that or are you mostly in contact with So parents? a little bit. You know, I was at the AG Bell convention last um, couple weeks ago now at this point and um, that was really great because I got to, to meet with a lot of professionals and I'm always, it's always good I think for anybody to just get a parent perspective and mm-hmm. so that's a, the biggest part of my job is just kind of sharing our experience, what I've learned and, and what it was like for us. But I know you've also spoken with our staff a bit about how we can help the yeah. families we serve. Yeah, and that's one thing I think, um, I don't know that I, as a parent, I, I necessarily leaned into the professionals in my life as much, um, but I'm not sure how they would have felt if I had. So I do feel like you guys are in a really unique position. You know the parents and you know the kids really well and they feel comfortable with you. And so when there's kind of overwhelming questions to ask, you guys are really great people that parents trust. So. Thank you. <laughs> I try to be, but it is always really helpful to have a parent perspective. So before we get into the main discussion, Colleen, would you like to share a favorite story, maybe from the past week or from the summer that has happened oh, with your that family? Has happened. Well, um, I will. I've I'm got four kids. Um, Liam is my oldest. He's my one with cochlear implants, and then he has three little sisters. And my youngest is uh, two and a half, and she is a little bit of a character, being the youngest of four. Um, and so I guess this past week we. Stopped at Walgreens and got um, some water guns before we were going to the pool. And we walked to our pool. So we walked to Walgreens and then we walked to the pool. And at one point we were crossing kind of a busy street. And I sort of turn around to make sure she's with everybody. And she is like got her gun in her hand and she's kind of sauntering like she's like a tech like an old cowboy in the wild west and she's just going i'm gonna shoot you you maniac oh and i just that moment i just knew you know somebody thinks that i am just a terrible parent oh, no. because my two-year-old is just threatening the lives of people on main street oh, my God. so yeah that's my story from the week were there a lot of people around it, well it was we there was a lot of cars parked watching us cross the street yes <laughs> It's really funny. So, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's really That's cute. 
right. Um, as Tatum mentioned, today we will be talking with Colleen about her own experience as a parent with the cochlear implant process. We will also be talking with her some about her experience guiding other parents through the process. So to get started, do you want to tell us a little bit about your son, how old he is, what he likes to do, all sure. that good stuff. <laughs> um, Liam is eight years old. He will be going into third grade in the fall, and he's really a typical eight-year-old kid. He loves reading. Um, he just yesterday finished the fourth Harry Potter book, which is very exciting. Mm, oh he started the fifth one, and we've had lots. I'm a big Harry Potter fan, so we've had yes. lots of conversations about the, um, about that world. And he, you know, he loves, like I said, he loves reading. He's into some sports. He wants to try pottery this fall. He's kind of one of those kids that it's like, oh, I'll try that. I'll try that. Oh, Renaissance man. Um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and he got his first cochlear implant when he was three and his second when he was seven. So we're actually just coming up on the year mark. Um, it was August of last year and he's doing really well it's you know it was really interesting the second time around because he could articulate so much more about what that was like and what it sounded like to him and all that so it was really fascinating the last year to kind of walk through that process again well yeah I'm kind of curious like what has he said about um so what was interesting was activation day you know I, that's one of the things I think parents or anybody who doesn't have cochlear implants is always like what does it sound like and so <laughs> he was really interesting because he you know, he, he was hearing things right away, and he said, it kind of sounds like a cross between an alien and a robot in my head. And then what was interesting and what I just think is so fascinating about the brain is he, you know, we were talking to him, and he would say, well, I understand what I'm saying, but I don't understand what you're saying. And it's his brain knew what he was trying to say, so hearing that, you know, the brain was making the connections. Uh-huh. And I, I, I just thought that was fascinating to think about, like, to, like, think, you know, I'm saying something, and then I get back this, blah, 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 you know, and, and just how interesting that must be for him. Um, and then it was neat, the process was neat, because, you know, my his younger siblings would sometimes join us when we would do, like, rehab work, and we would play weird games or do, you know, all the kinds of things that professionals are doing with kids. I tried to do as much as I knew with him, and my daughter, who's she was five at the time, would help. Um, and she had kind of hadn't done it with us for a couple of days or maybe even a week. And when she came back, she was like, wow, Liam, you're getting really better. Like, she could Aww. see. So it was just interesting. Like, yeah. it was a very marked process of seeing, like, he didn't understand anything we were saying at first. And then just slowly but surely, he started to pick up sounds and then language and, and putting the words together. And it's it, it's really fascinating, all of it. I feel like just that could be an entire episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> of the rehab process. I want to ask more questions, but I feel like we'll get a little bit off track. Totally fine. We can, we, I can come back for another time. Yes, we would love that. Really, yeah. I have so many questions. Um, we'll, we'll go on. So we know that learning about cochlear implants can be an overwhelming process. Walk us through what it was like with your family when you were first learning about Liam's hearing loss. And then it sounds like he got his cochlear implants a little later, yeah. so also about that process. So Liam was um, a little bit late to all of it, to the diagnosis. He was a year old when he was diagnosed. We think now that he probably, they misadministered the hearing test as a newborn for his newborn screening. If you administered enough times, you can get kind of a false pass, and we're, we're fairly certain that's what happened because looking back, there were a lot of things in that first year where I was like, something's off, but you just we just didn't know what it was. And he was our firstborn, so I had no other kind of markers to compare it to. He was diagnosed at the um, moderately severe to severe level, which I remember early on reading kind of all about that when you first learn about it and thinking, 
oh, like I really wish he was either like more deaf or less deaf because this is a, a level where it's like really hard to treat with just hearing aids, but he doesn't quite qualify for cochlear implants yet. So it's just funny because I, you know, I remember thinking that and then very quickly we got used to the hearing aids. He was doing pretty well. He was here at Child's Voice for their early intervention program, which was phenomenal. And, and starting to gain language and words. And then he did that for about two years. He had hearing aids. And right before his third birthday, uh, we just went in for a routine uh, hearing test, booth test. And the audiologist said, you know, he's lost more hearing, especially in that left ear. And now we're at the profound level and you're looking at a, a cochlear implant. And she said it really matter-of-factly. And it shouldn't have been, like, altering news. But I just remember, like, it was devastating. And I, I don't remember why. I mean, now I, I, mean, I can kind of remember. But... We had gotten so used to hearing aids, and it felt like all of a sudden now I had to, like, it It was almost like being diagnosed again in a weird way. And so it is really overwhelming. And you would think, having been walking through the, you know, the the hearing loss community and all of it, that I would have known a little bit more, felt a little bit more comfortable, but but I wasn't. You know, he had lots of friends that had cochlear implants. I knew lots of parents that whose kids were implanted, and um, and yet it still felt like this really foreign device kind of for my kid. Yeah, well, because you're you're spending so much of your time and energy on just like each step of the way, yeah. and not really thinking yeah. about this mm-hmm. other. Yeah, and we had just gotten really used to hearing aids. Like yeah. I knew how yeah. they worked. I knew how to do the batteries. I knew I knew how to tell that they were working by sticking them in my ear. You know, like there were all these little dumb things where it was like I would adjust to the next thing. But in <laughs> yeah. the moment, it felt like oh my gosh, I have to learn a whole new system. Had your audiologist ever mentioned before about like the possibility of a cochlear implant if he progressed? No, I mean it really yeah. he hadn't because we because he was diagnosed so late. We didn't at that point we didn't know, you know, what he'd started out with. And and he really well, it wasn't a progressive thing where it was like over time it was slowly progressing. It was kind of like between, you know, one appointment to the next 6 months he had dropped and we weren't we don't know why and we weren't really sure, you know, what that was about, but that was a hard place too because it was we were kind of in this weird position where we had to kind of decide if we were going to do cochlear implants. Like, we, it wasn't clear-cut. He was in an, a, a range where he probably could have been approved by insurance and it, it, he would have benefited from it. But he was also doing fairly well with hearing aids. That almost made it hard, too, because you are making this really lifelong decision and you're not really sure. You can't see the future. You don't really know exactly if it's the right one or not. I've heard that before from parents who say that they wish that it was either like profound, profound, right? because then there wouldn't even be a right. decision, right? or really sort right. of in that mild range right. where hearing aids are kind of the, the right. clear-cut answer. When you're so. kind of at that like severe to profound range, it, it's harder. It is, you, you feel like you have to make the decision. It yeah. isn't made for you very easily. Especially with like a sudden drop, because he's already yep. doing well, so it's almost yep. like cognitive dissonance. Like yep. he's speaking, he's, yep. he's able to listen, but then... Well, and that was, you know, that was where we really had to, uh like, come down to making the decision was um, we were realizing, as he did a lot of speech recognition tests Mm -hmm. where he was repeating words, that the the hearing aids had been turned up so much that it was distorting the speech and distorting the language. And so for him, you know, at two and a half, three years old, it's such a critical language development time that for us the decision became pretty easy at that point. Like, okay, he, he needs speech now. You know, he needs to be able to get access to that now. What questions did you have when you first heard from your audiologist about cochlear implants and a cochlear implant for Liam? I had no questions because I didn't know. And that's, I think that was the, probably when I talk to parents now, I um, I really talk to them about, here are some questions you can ask. Because when I was there, I, I didn't I didn't even know. I didn't know how a cochlear implant worked. I didn't know. And you, 
they, they tell you these things, but you're also kind of dealing, especially if it's a new diagnosis, you know, parents who are diagnosed at birth or whatever, like you're just wrapping your head around the fact that your kid has hearing loss. So much less trying to take in like, this is how a cochlear implant works. And this is what it's going to be like in your kid's head. And this is, you know, it, it's, it's really, I didn't have I didn't have good questions, and I think I thought of cochlear implants a lot like hearing aids because I'd gotten used to hearing aids, so I was thinking about the external components of all of it, and now, I, you know, when I talk to families, I say the external is the last priority. Like, think about what is going into your kid's head, knowing about that, asking questions about that, because that's the thing that's in there, you know, forever. Before kids go through the cochlear implant surgery parents have to make this big decision of what brand to Mm -hmm. go with with the cochlear implant and I know Jessica and I sometimes get questions from sometimes we do sometimes our families will ask us questions about brand and sometimes they'll never ask us Mm -hmm. um and I know when the question comes up I never I almost never know what to say yeah so what kinds of things did you ask during that time what kind of kinds of things influence your own decisions so that is like so Uh, overwhelming because and I really like having now been through it and knowing some patients whose whose audiologists really pushed certain brands over the others I'm thankful that our audiologist does it this way but it it is unhelpful in that it is you know they they want to remain unbiased so they really they give you literature for all three brands and they say figure out what you want and let us know and you and I, I mean everyone does this to them but they're like I would say Okay, but what would you choose? If it was your kid, what would you choose? And they're like, they're fine. They're all good. We, you know. And I, I, do, I do appreciate that. But they were my person that I knew to ask questions to, and I felt like they were being very unhelpful in the moment. And so the hard part is, and the, and the thing that I did at the time was, like I said, I approached it like hearing aids. So I was paying attention to the external processor, um, and I was looking at those features. And, I, and that's not unimportant. But uh, what I've learned is that that is constantly changing. And in the five years that my son has had implants, every company has come out with new processors almost every year. They always, if one company has something that's awesome, within a year or two, the other companies will have it. And so, you know, when we were going through the process, the single unit processor was new for Metal, and that was kind of why we were interested in them. But Advanced Bionics had the, like, waterproof one. And so I remember this agonizing of, like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And I, and within a year, Metal had waterproof stuff so it didn't even it doesn't even matter with the external stuff they really do keep up but what does not change is what you're what you're putting in your kids head the device that they're getting implanted with in the internal process internal implant and so I think I wish I'd known what questions to ask about that Mm -hmm. what made those the brands different with that regard and I wish I'd even known to even think about that and that's something I think about for you know SLPs especially EI SLPs just for you to even help parents to rethink prioritize how they think about the cochlear implant. What kinds of things could a family find out about the internal part of the device? So I have kind of, I've created over the years a a list of questions to ask and I'm going to leave my email address at the end so people can always email me. I can email them to people if they are curious. But I think, you know, starting with the internal implant, what makes them unique? What can you know about the electrode array and the placements of the electrodes along the different brands. This is something I didn't really think about, but with our brand, the electrode goes all the way into the cochlear and the electrodes are placed where the ear most naturally hears those different pitches. And that's something that 
it's it sounds very sciencey and techy, but it it makes a difference in the way Liam's brain has to work to access the sound. He's hearing it kind of in a most natural place. What are the size and length comparisons of the electrodes? Uh, these are great questions for the surgeon, but like how is the device inserted? Are there risks associated with the type of device or the insertion process? Are there any brands that are better for maintaining residual hearing? I think it's also really important to ask your surgeon if you have a brand that you like to talk to your surgeon about like, have you done this brand uh, frequently are you comfortable with this brand? Because each brand has different device insertion methods and a lot of the success of the implant can, can ride or die on the surgeon's technique. And so I think that's always important to kind of know. And then the big one too right now that a lot of people are talking about is MRIs. I didn't know about MRIs. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know that my kid couldn't get an MRI with a cochlear implant. And brands, there are brands that, that you can get MRIs with. Because the thing about MRIs is that it's, it's something that will, in the in the lifetime of a person, they are likely to need one at some point. And to get one and not have to have the magnet removed, which is, you know, for my son Liam, that's the case. He can get an MRI without removing the magnet. Means that, like, he doesn't have a, a down hearing time. So when they say, oh, you just take the magnet out, it's very easy. Well, it is, but then they put it back in, and then there's, like, a month where you're not, your kid can't use his implants. And for Liam, who goes to school and is completely audit, like, um, uses, you know, he doesn't use sign or anything, I, that would be really hard for him. So those are all things that I just didn't even think to ask about. It may not be a priority for you. There may be, you know, any of those things that were priorities for me don't have to be, but at least you know what you're signing up for. See how some of those things are super intimidating for parents because even just understanding how a cochlear implant works is yeah. hard. Yeah. And then diving into the, like you said, the like techie part of it all can be um, kind of scary, but it's professionals' jobs to explain that to parents totally so feel yeah. totally yeah, I feel like parents should feel free to ask even if they're not really sure what they're asking what they're right? asking yeah and and I and I think a good audiologist and a good surgeon can kind of go through that and and I mean at the end of the day like any of the three devices are going to give your kid access to sound like that is 100% true and so I think we put really high stakes on this conversation and I I think we've been really happy with our choice but um but I think more than than making the quote-unquote right choice, I think it's just important to ask enough questions that you feel really good about your choice because we literally, I didn't ask any of these questions. I sort of was like, oh, I like the Rondo. We found out some things about the company itself and their policies and warranties and all of that. And I was like, I think we're going to go with them. And afterwards, I remember for weeks being like, oh my gosh, what if I made the wrong choice? Oh my gosh, like what did I do? You know, because I just didn't, I was going off of a couple of things that I, and I wasn't really sure. And I remember hearing other people talk about stuff that I just didn't even know to ask about. So I just think anything you can ask about is important. Asking about the companies themselves, what are their warranty policies? Where are they located? Where is the parts manufactured? What is their customer service like? Do they have great customer service? Is there backwards compatibility? Are all the new devices compatible with old internal implants so that your kid can always get whatever's new? Those are all really good questions that I wouldn't have known to ask about the different companies. And then and then ask questions about the external processor. Ask about <laughs> yeah. assisted listening devices. Ask about the color options. Ask about the size, all of that stuff. But what I've, you know, like I said, that stuff changes all the time you are available for upgrades about every five years and I think too like a lot of parents I've talked to a lot of parents who have babies and they're like we just want what the smallest one and I'm like you want the smallest one now but in a year it won't matter anymore and there's a whole bunch of other things that may 
may be more yeah. of a factor. So just to try to keep the right perspective about that external mm-hmm. processor. Another decision um, before surgery for cochlear implants for some families, um, and this is very family specific, but for some families is um, one implant or two implants. Mm-hmm. One now and then another one later, both at the same time, just mm-hmm. one long term. Mm-hmm. Tell us about kind of your experience with that because you said sure. now Liam has <clears throat> two. Now he has two, yeah. So at the time, he had lost more hearing in one ear. One ear was really clearly in the profound range and one ear was, was still in the severe range. And so our audiologist recommended one and we felt really good about that. We didn't, I don't think I would have felt comfortable at that time to do both. Partly because we were just adjusting. I felt like, I felt like, oh, he's going to get the both, best of both worlds. He's going to have some acoustic hearing and some um, cochlear implant technology hearing. And that that would be the best, that, you know, that would be a good thing. Uh, what was interesting was that pretty quickly after his first implant, about a year, I would say, he himself was asking for a second implant. He wow. would say, I want two implants so I can hear better. He recognized that he was getting better access to sound with his implant. Now that's his level of hearing loss. He was in that se- severe range where it's really hard. So then then it became like, oh, like at first I was kind of like, well, I, you know, this is what we do. We have one of each and you've got the best of both worlds. But listening to him, I kind of had to adjust like, oh, like maybe this is this is what he wants and this is better. And so we would bring it up and we would have our audiology appointments and every time I would kind of be like, what's, you know, what do you think? And he was doing really well with both. And so every time she'd kind of be like, well, he's doing really well with both. And he would keep saying, I just want two implants. And what was interesting is like, he wouldn't even, you know, if the batteries died in his hearing aid, he didn't always even recognize it or or let us know. If the battery died in his cochlear implant, immediately we changed the batteries because he that was that was what he was relying on. And so eventually, you know, over a couple of years of just kind of continuing to kind of revisit it and talk about it, our surgeon looked at his stuff and said, you know, he's getting a little bit of a bump from the hearing aid when they're both together, but it's not that much more than when he's just using the implant alone. And he really, like, he, if he would just wear the hearing aid, he didn't understand anything we were saying. Like, it was clear to me and the times where he was just using a hearing aid that this isn't helping him at all. So the surgeon, you know, looked at everything and said, he's in mainstream school now. It's going to get harder. He, you know, he needs as much access to sound as he can get. And so she recommended it and he was so excited. We got our insurance letter. We got home from vacation. And so they had all been in bed and my husband and I were looking through our mail and we got the letter. And so that morning I woke him up and I I handed it to him. I said, look what you got. And he like started cheering. Like it was really sweet. And I'm mad I don't have it on video. But he was so excited. Like he really wanted two implants. And I felt like that said a lot about, you know, about what that meant to him. That's so great that he could. One of our, I think later episodes, are, we're going to talk about self-advocacy skills. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so great. He was advocating for himself mm-hmm. from such an early age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You learned a lot of good self-advocacy things here at Child's Voice. That's awesome. <laughs> I've had a few families that their children were doing well, or they could clearly benefit from a cochlear implant, but the child wasn't at a point to like vocalize or verbalize mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So that's a really interesting story, I feel like, to share. Not that every child is the same, but totally. I've definitely had families, <clears throat> the child is older, they've had hearing aids, and it's really hard for them to decide to make the switch, even though all of the audiology testing is showing, is showing. that it would so much benefit them. Yeah. Um, and to have an example of a kid who is asking for yeah. that switch, yeah. I think would be really great to show them that it 
they may be doing well now, they may be functioning now, but think of like how difficult it is for them. And that was a big thing for us is I, I just knew he like he was doing great. He was doing great in school. He'd made the transition to mainstream, but I knew how much work it was for him. And I knew that the work at school was going to get harder. I knew, you know, at age eight, the brain plasticity starts to change and it's not as easy for them to rehab it. And so for me, I was kind of like, I really feel like we need to do this before he turns eight. And so I was thankful that it, it worked out that way because I think it just makes it makes it easier for him. He's less tired at the end of the day because he's got two ears that are just easier for him to access sound. That's so cool. I feel like some families, most families, I feel like at a certain point struggle with accepting that this device is going to be on like their child's head. And, totally. uh, and, <clears throat> and it's a really scary new thing. Most families like have never seen a cochlear implant yeah. before they get told that that's what their kiddo could benefit from. And so to have a child be like, no, I want this mm-hmm. is so, so mm-hmm. cool. Because in that early stage, so many parents are like, I don't want to you know, I don't, oh, I don't I totally do get it. I mean, I, that was another thing with like cochlear implants to hearing aids is I was like, it's that big magnet on his head. Like yeah. it just, it felt, and it's so like now I'm like, it's so dumb. And they're such a part of him that he would, I remember thinking when he was first diagnosed, like maybe he's going to want to take his hearing aids off for school pictures. And now I'm like, if he did that, I would be so mad because it, <laughs> it it's not something for him to be ashamed of. You know, like that is who you are. It's a part of you. And he would never, I mean, he and he likes the biggest, brightest colors and all of the stickers. <laughs> but it is a really, at the in, in the beginning, it is a weird thing that I think parents, I will say you get over it like you really do. But I do understand that. I had that same thought of like, they're just so much bigger and it's this magnet on his head and uh, you people know. are somewhat familiar with hearing aids, yeah. but most people don't know what yeah, these are. Yeah, they're going to be like, what are those things on your head? Yeah, you and know. now he's like, I want more. <laughs> yeah, he awesome. wants to. Yeah. Great. On that note, do you want to start? Do you think we should start mm-hmm. wrapping up, Jessica? Yeah, I think so. Um, before we get into sort of our calls to action and how you can reach um, Tatum and I, we wanted to tell you that Colleen is a host of um, a podcast herself, and it's called A Year of Listening. <laughs> it is so good. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? And where sure. It has nothing to do with hearing loss, um, <laughs> but it is a podcast where we try to we, we tackle all the topics your mother warned you never to discuss at cocktail parties. So <laughs> all of the controversial hot button issues that we as a society are having a hard time talking about, um, I tackle with new guests each week, um, trying to kind of have them with civility and compassion and nuance and a lot of respect. That's, yeah. yeah, it's a weekly yeah. podcast. It's and so good. I've listened to a few episodes <laughs> now and they're on my like my queue of, oh. of episodes to listen to next. Oh, thank you. Can our listeners find you? So you can find me um, on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Colleen K. Powell. And if you're interested in the show, it's at Year of Listening um, on Twitter and Instagram. And we have a Facebook group. There's the Year of Listening podcast. Uh, I think you could also find information about the show on my website, ColleenKPowell.com. And awesome. then we'll put all of that information in the show notes so you guys awesome. can awesome. Thank you. Um, find all of that online at childsvoice.org. And then also we'll put your email on there so if families have questions yes. about questions. If you have, if you'd like to know that list, because I kind of touch on the questions, but I don't even, I didn't go into all of them. So if you are interested in my like list of questions, I'm happy to send them to anybody who's interested. Okay, awesome. That's great. And listeners, we would love to hear from you. Professionals, how do you help guide families through the cochlear implant process? Was anything discussed today new for you? Families, what has your own experience been like? Or if you have already been through the process, what advice do you have for other families? 
Thank you guys all for joining us for another episode of All Ears at Child's Voice. Be sure to join us for our next episode. We'll be talking with two early intervention therapists about a style of therapy called bagless therapy and why we believe that parents can be some of the best teachers for their kiddos. Yes, it should be a great discussion. As always, we release episodes every other week on Wednesdays, so be sure to look out for our next episode. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Jessica Brock SLP, and you can find Tatum at Tatum Fritz SLP. You can also email us at podcast at childsvoice.org, and you can find episode show notes and archived episodes at our Child's Voice website, childsvoice.org. <laughs> and this is the last one. If you are interested in learning more about Child's Voice, Child's Voice is on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram with the handle at child's underscore voice, no apostrophe. Okay, awesome. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 And from our friends at Child's Voice. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening.